Perfect is not the enemy of good, says our next guest, Greg Adams, on the Live, Learn, and Play podcast. We know that there has been an intense focus on mental health for our kids, our families, patients here at the hospital, and for healthcare workers. So how are you guys doing? What are you doing to handle the stress levels at home? And how are you talking to your kids during the pandemic? On this episode of the Live, Learn, and Play podcast, we're talking with Greg Adams, Program Coordinator for the Center for Good Morning, social worker at Arkansas Children's, and also really just an overall expert when it comes to talking with patients, families, and kids about grief. Greg sits down to discuss mental health during COVID-19, advice, and mental health resources for families and kids, and how in an imperfect world, we can continue to strive doing good for ourselves and for others. As always, please like and subscribe to the Live, Learn, and Play podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Greg. Welcome back to the Live, Learn, and Play podcast. I am joined by Greg Adams. He is the program coordinator for the Center for Good Morning. He's also a social worker here at Arkansas Children's. And really, he is the expert when it comes to helping families and patients deal with grief. So we wanted to get Greg's thoughts um, on dealing with grief during a pandemic. Uh, We think it's a different culture that we're living in. And so we wanted to offer some um, suggestions and to help for families. So Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. So we are going to talk about some heavier subjects today. Um, We do want to talk about mental health. We want to talk about suicide rates pre and uh, pre-COVID and now during the pandemic and just how this is going to affect everybody's mental health going forward. So we definitely want to hear your insights and um, what you have to say about the topic. Um, But I think it would help for reference to talk about mental health, suicide rates, what we were seeing before the pandemic. Thank you, and, and I th- I'm really glad to have a chance to, to talk about that because suicide rates and the cause of suicide is something that w- we in our culture struggle talking about, and, and yet it's a really uh, significant problem. And uh, what we know is that for the, about the past 20 years, since 1999, there's been a steady increase in suicide rates for almost all age groups except for the very youngest, uh, under 14, which has stayed pretty flat, which means it's not going down but the rest of the groups have gone up significantly. And then the data that we have most recently, which is from 2019, shows a little bit of encouraging news and that overall that um, in the country we've seen a decrease for about, by about 2%. Uh, in Arkansas, we've seen just a, a tiny decrease, and we are still um, in the top 20 for suicide rates in the country. And if you look at the southeast, we, we have the highest suicide rate. So that's a real concern. What we don't know is, is right today. Because we don't have real-time suicide data, the, the most recent data we have is from 2019. So there's a lot of worry about what could be happening in 2020 since the pandemic started. But we don't have good data. I think it's easy to point to what has happened, the isolation, people being in quarantine, kids out of school, that that is having an impact on mental health and and suicide rates. Are you able to to speak to that? I think what we have, we do know some, we have some reports and some reason to think that that, uh, rates of depression and anxiety and thoughts of suicide have increased during 
the, the pandemic. Uh, what we don't know if it's actually led to more suicides, but we know that people are suffering because they have more stress in their lives. People are isolated. People are not, uh, their regular lives and routines are interrupted. And they're having, many people are having you know, great stresses or for finances, and they're worried about people being sick. And some people do get sick. And sadly, you know, we've had in the country over 400,000 people who have died. And so there's a lot of stresses that people did not have to deal with you know, a year ago. So since we are a children's hospital, uh, I know we focus a lot on children's health, of course. Let's talk about how the fact that most kids and teens are attending school virtually at home uh, this past school year. How is that change impacting them both in the long, both in the short and long term? We really have a lot of concerns for that because in, for most kids, school is a huge piece of their life. And it's not just where they get their academic you know, growth and development, but they get their social growth and development by being able to be with friends and learning how to interact with friends in, in positive ways. And especially for some, of, um, some kids, especially from low-income families, that's a place where they get regular and good nutrition and meals. And for some kids who get mental health care, they, a lot of them get them through their school district. So we're really concerned for kids in that regard that, that they are, are struggling in ways. And then obviously the parents, too, in trying to help them are struggling in ways and could be falling behind not just academically, but socially and, you know, developmentally. So I think there's some long-term effects that we, we probably won't see even for a while. Right. Right. And I think that, you know, we see that if, particularly if, if we think about those kids who are already in the margins and, you know, at risk, you know, because uh, with their social development, at risk um, with their academic development, you know, losing, if they lose progress right now, in their earlier years, that could really have some long-term consequences that we won't know until later. So it really says to us that we need to do the very best we can right now, you know, to help them to deal with what they have to deal with and to meet as much of their developmental needs as possible. So let's dig a little deeper with the social interaction, how important that is to a child's health. I know I was home with my seven-year-old for a couple months last year, and I could tell at the end, like, it was, it was stressful for both of us. So how, and I, I didn't realize how important that, that social action, interaction is, how does that really help a, a child's mental health? I, I think that one of the things we think about, that even families who um, homeschool their children, you know, generally set up times for their children to be with other kids, you know, and have social activities, recreational activities, because they see the need for their kids to have that part of their development. And, you know, frankly, as I was thinking about this topic, Rebecca, I was thinking about, you know, my own, when I was a kid, and maybe when you were a kid, you know, most of us, we didn't go to school um, because it's like, I just can't wait to take that spelling test right. or learn how to do that math problem, even though we, that may have been interesting to us. We went there because we really liked seeing our friends. And we liked, you know, being able to play with them and talk to them and, and hang out and, and have that interaction. And, in, and kids, so much of, the, particularly the younger the child is, then the more their work is play, and part of their work is playing and interacting together. And so they really need that. Um, because those are skills that they develop as that they'll need growing up about how to interact with people, how to deal with their own emotions, how to deal with other people's emotions, how to take turns, how to share. 
all those things are there, and we learn them by doing them, and if we don't have a chance to do them, then it's a real concern. So what are some tips or recommendations that you, uh, do you have for families who do feel isolated and need to get out and about for their kids' health? Right. right. You know, I think the biggest theme that I would suggest is to think about it, and we may, we may come back to this a little bit later, is that we don't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the good in this situation, right? Because this is the way we used to do things, and that was hopefully the life that we wanted for our kids and our families. And we had it set up that way, and now we've, we've lost much of that. But we haven't lost everything. And so what, what can we do? And then the other piece is, um, is to be very intentional. Because when we think about our kids' academic growth and their social and emotional growth and development, much of that was taken care of in the way we organized our lives before, in the school and our activities that were possible when we, didn't ha- when we weren't in a pandemic. But we can still... Um, address those and help with those if we think it through and think, okay, what we did in the short run, because in the beginning, you know, in, in the spring, we thought it was going to last maybe just a few months. Well, since this has turned out to be a longer thing, we're going to need to think through, so what are my kids' social needs and how can I get them connected to other people? And so could that be that we do some things um, in an outdoor setting, which is safer, could that be that we do make use of the technology that we do have in ways maybe we've never done it before and so that they can have some interaction and play and interact in ways we haven't done before? Are there ways that we could do that uh, in their academic world? So typically they would be in school, now they're doing the virtual. Is there a way that we could break things down and make, put them into much more uh, easy bite-sized packages so they don't get overwhelmed because having that attention, that focus for a long time is not a kid. Right. And so making it um, easier for them to do that in small pieces and still having some structure because we know that kids do better with structure and predictability. But typically we don't do that on, you know, on the weekends when their kids are not in school. We know they're, they have a lot of structure and predictability the rest of the time, so we, we really let loose and and have a lot more relaxing time, which is important too. But we may need to have to build some structure, depending on those our kids, into their day so that they know what they can predict and they can get the support that they need, and we then build in the breaks that they need for them too. So I think it's really that idea that, okay, we can't do it the normal way, but we still can do some things, and we can put it into little pieces, and we can think it through. How about what do my kids need socially, what do they need physically to do, what do they need um, for their mental development, health, you know, for fam- many families it's their spiritual concerns and needs too. And we can if, think about those things very specifically in ways that we used to take them for granted. Yes, I like all those suggestions. I like the idea of kind of putting it into bite-sized pieces. I know I've gone on more walks with my kids. We've Zoomed with my parents um, who are out of state. So I love those ideas. Are there any specific things that you have seen um, that, are, that are healthy or working for families? Two things I'm thinking about that I've seen is, um, you know, we did our grief support groups by Zoom this, this past fall. And we certainly lost a chance to be in, in the same room with kids. But we also had some opportunities we wouldn't have had otherwise because they could show us things that were in their house. And, uh, and I've been involved in, in some online Zoom or other platform kind of you know, parties or gatherings where people can bring things from their own. And so 
you kind of lean into the technology. Okay, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it a di in a different kind of a way. And, um, and you know, how many kids, especially, you know, they like to see themselves on the screen, and if somebody else is going to show them something, they want to show something, and they want to be involved. So I think there's some, there's some ways we can, if we go with it, that we can make it fun and not just the work part of, of having school. The other piece is I think that, um, and maybe we treat this more with older kids, and we, that they're already doing it. That we see some kids, they're connecting when, where they play video games with friends who are not with them. And, um, and video games are such a, they're a good distraction. There's, there can be some real positive things, everything in a balance, like everything else. But I think we could use that again for some kids, if that's their thing, that that could be a way for them to have still social interaction. Right. And talking about the, the grief support groups, um, and I, I think it would help if you share a little bit about what Good Morning does um, and that program. But if someone, and again, a heavy, heavy subject during pan, the pandemic, but if someone who if someone has lost a family member or a loved one during this time and they don't have that formal closure because there's no funerals, no memorial services, how are, are you helping families or what advice do you have for families who have lost someone during the pandemic? Yeah, I think that's a great point because that's one of the losses that we have. So part of the pandemic loss, whether it's a COVID loss or a different kind of a loss, if somebody dies in a hospital, which is where so many times that people, we do experience the death of a family member or a friend, is oftentimes we're not able to be there. Family members aren't able to be there. And kids who sometimes were left out anyway, or especially, they're not able to be there to see. So they miss that opportunity. And then we're missing the opportunity often to have some type of funeral or memorial service, which is really important. And we see that in all cultures have some kind of funeral memorial services because it's important. It helps bring people together. It helps people to get support from each other. It helps us to understand the reality of what happened. In the grief world, we do try to be careful with that word closure because for some people it, um, it suggests that, okay, we're going to kind of close the book on this and move on, and, and that's really not what we're looking for. I think what that word's looking for more is helping people understand that we're in a transition from having that person in our lives to not having them in our lives like we did in the past. And... Um, so since we can't do it in the typical way, there's other ways we can do it. And again, we need to kind of take a step back and think about it. So if we can't have a big memorial, can we have a smaller one with people with, within our family? Uh, if we can't have one in, in person, could we do it by video? Again, not letting that perfect be the enemy of the good. Could we do something small now and with the idea that we're going to have a bigger thing later? I have a friend who had that that very experience. Could we do something outside? Could we do something and be kind of creative in a different kind of way and think about, okay, what do we get out of this? And what do we normally do? And, and now maybe we could even include our kids in helping us to plan for something that would be meaningful to them. And would that be a trip to the cemetery just for us as a, a family? Would that be doing something special that helps us rem remember that person or they used to always like to do, so we're going to do it, making a special you know, meal or, or food dish or helping somebody else out in honor of somebody else. There's ways we could do it if we brainstorm about what would be meaningful. One way to re remember that person and, uh, and still mark that this did happen to us. I like the idea of incorporating your, your children or your family in, 
in the in the grief process. That's yeah. I think in some ways this gives us an opportunity because sometimes what happens in a typical situation is you know when somebody dies we just we go on and, and do our memorials or funerals like regular and kids often are not included in that. But since we're having to do that differently anyway, then we have an opportunity maybe to to include them. Or even if we di- even if we did our own little you know service or time or prayer time or or things you know they could do it in a way that they might even feel more comfortable because it's not a real big thing with a lot of people watching. So for people who are not familiar with uh, the Center for Good Morning, tell us a little bit about what resource that is uh, for families here at Arkansas Children's and beyond. So we do several things through our Center for Good Morning, and that's morning with M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. And um, one of the, the things that, that we do is we do grief support groups for children and families. So, so if a kid's kindergarten through high school, if they have had a family member or a friend who's died, then they can come to groups with other kids their same age, and, and also the adults who are connected to those kids can also come and be with other adults. And so since we've been doing this since 1995, we've been doing this in person. And then when the pandemic hit in the spring, we, we had to cancel like so many other programs did. And then when the fall came, we thought, well, we still have to offer something. We just can't not offer. So we decided to, to do it by Zoom. And we saw that although we certainly missed being in person, it was still useful and beneficial to those people who uh, participated. And so we're going to do that again this spring. It's going to go through March and to the 1st of May, one, one night a week. And, uh, and we're get, taking applications now. You can apply online at our website. One of the positive things is doing it by Zoom means that families anywhere in the state of Arkansas can participate where before you would have had to really be within driving distance you know, to come in. But now anybody in the state of Arkansas can participate. And, and that's a plus. And then we do other things. We, um, we have a website which has lots of written resources for parents and, and uh, other adults who are helping kids that they could read about how, grief and loss and how to help themselves and how to help kids. We do a grief and loss email newsletter that's available for anybody that goes out four times a year. We'll have another one going out in February. And then Still, even in the pandemic, we can respond to uh, do some education for groups. Yes, the center is is an amazing resource um, for just here at the hospital and, and the state. So you mentioned the websites. What are the websites, and how can they sign up for the newsletter? So our website is part of the children's website, but we have our own email address to make it easy to find, our website address. And so it's goodmorningcenter.org. So Good morning with you, so goodmorningcenter.org. And when you get there, um, you can find our support group information and request an online application. You can also find support groups listed for all around the state. Um, And then you can also find the information for the morning news, which is what we call our newsletter. And and there you can see some of the more recent issues and see if it's something that you're interested in. You can sign up with your name and your email address and it will come to you. And we, that goes out to over 4,000 people um, every time that we send it out. Oh, good. All right. Thank you for that information. Um, let's talk about some advice and resources in addition to Good Morning that you can uh, share for parents and teens who are socially isolated and who are feeling sad or more depressed during this time. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's such a worry because 
the stresses are coming from a lot of different places. And the, and the typical things that we would recommend to people are compromised because we'd recommend them you know, to be active and to be with people. So what, again, we'd want to think about is, okay, it's, it's not impossible still to interact with people, and it's not impossible to be uh, active uh, and do things. We just have to think about it in some ways we might have not have thought about it before. And so we would encourage people still to reach out um, to their friends, but do it in a, a way that's safe. So it might be doing it, making use of um, safe and distance opportunities. It might be main, making use of technology. Uh, we, there's a whole bunch more telehealth that's happening now, and there are counselors who are doing um, counseling by uh, video and things that they may not have just thought about before, but now they're doing it. I was talking to a counselor just yesterday who said she's doing a lot more of that. She's seeing more anxiety and, and depression in both kids and adults. But there's some advantages, the fact that people are in their homes and they can feel comfortable and, and there's not the barrier for them to uh, have to come in somewhere else. And, uh, and in some ways, too, it's even more private because, you know, nobody even sees you drive and park, park at the place where they do the counseling. Right. And so I think there are places to do that um, and some opportunities to where we won't, don't want somebody to settle for, you know, feeling down and getting depressed, and even to the place where they might be feeling hopeless and having thoughts of suicide. What about some of the resources that Arkansas Children's provides um, both our patients and families? One of the things that we've developed here at Arkansas Children's in the last few years, which I think is a wonderful resource, is a behavioral health line, and, um, where if a family is concerned about their, their child and they're thinking, you know, I think we need to see not just a doctor, we need to see like a counselor or, or, uh, or have them evaluated to see if they might need to see, have counseling or, or perhaps have them evaluated because I don't think they're learning um, like we, I wanted to be learning and they seem to be having more trouble, then they can call this helpline and, and we have a couple clinically trained social workers who will help them to process through what the needs are and match them up with resources in the community. And so that's something we didn't have before that I really think, and that serves for anybody in the state. And so they can call. That number is 501-364-4411. It's not a 24-hour number, but, uh, but people are there during the weekdays, and, and they will call you back if you're not there. And then it's, of course, important that when we talk about things like uh, depression and stress and possible suicide, we talk about the National Suicide Lifeline, which is a national number, although we have a call center here in Little Rock at the Arkansas Health Department. And so that number is answered 24 hours a day, every day of the year. And that number, and we, I'm sure we'll try to post that too, but it's 1-800-273-TALK or 273-8255. And anybody can call them. That's if they're worried about themselves. They're not sure what, you know, uh, how they're doing and if they're getting desperate or not sure what to do, or if they're worried about somebody else, they can call. And because so many people do text now, they can also text 741-741 and get a text response with the same kind of help, you know, if they're feeling worried about their own mental health or the mental health of a friend or family member.
That's excellent. You've given uh, hotline phone numbers, uh, texting, um, and then just all the online resources that Arkansas Children has and the uh, community has. We are heading into the second year of this pandemic. And I know earlier you said when it started in the spring, we kind of, we had a short timeline to work with. Now we know it's going to last longer. And you've given a lot of really good advice for for patients and families uh, who are listening what else or what I guess in closing or some of your top tips um, for kids and families to stay safe as we head into this second year of the pandemic? I think that's that's really been the hard part of the hard part for people is that people are getting many of us and many kids and families just getting worn down and so I think that we'll want to be even more careful and, and attentive to that. They're looking for the those signs of people just getting worn down. And, and part of what that means, if we're going to break things into to smaller packages and pieces for people, sometimes that means if people are, their endurance is waning, that we may have to do, break them down to even smaller than we did before and take them in more manageable. Because it may, what we, we could have done maybe 45 minutes before, we might need to do 30 minutes now because 45 minutes feels like too long before we need to take a break and do that. Um, uh, we may want to, again, think through what it is our kids need and what they were needing to get by in the fall. They may have a different need now. And this is a chance to involve them in saying, you know, okay, we're going we're gonna to need to do something good this weekend or do something better for school and, and get them involved in the problem solving, even our really young kids. Because part of what the pandemic does to us is it, it is outside of our control. And part of the stress we have is because we, can, we feel helpless in the midst of that. So anything we can do to help people feel like they have some control of their lives and what happens to them often takes stress down and people get engaged. So if we can engage our kids in that regard and, and some of the problem solving themselves, so we're not just trying to problem solve, but we engage them so that they have some choices and have some agency in what's happening to them, that typically... Um, will help them in the long run to not feel as stressed as they would otherwise. Well, Greg, thank you. As always, I feel much better after we talk about uh, such a heavy subject. Yeah, it is heavy. But I appreciate your your insight and sharing what you have seen that's working and offering some advice for our families who are listening. So um, thank you for your time and thank you for your insight. Well, you're very welcome. We're glad to do it. We really appreciate Greg for stopping by to discuss a really heavy topic, mental health during the pandemic. But it was also helpful that he provided so many different resources that are available for those who are struggling. If you or a family member are having difficulties during this time, please make sure to reach out to your primary care physician or access some of the resources that Greg mentioned. We will make sure to list them in the episode description. And you can always go to archildrens.org and search for these items. We hope you stay safe and healthy during this time. And we encourage you to find a way to connect and support one another. Thanks for listening.